Fantastic. Right. Well, we're going to now begin a new series called Living for Jesus. And I've got the privilege of sharing an introduction to this. What I said from the beginning, this is based on Matthew's chapters 5 through to 7. Uh, based on a, our teaching series is based on one sermon that Jesus gave, yeah. the Sermon on the Mount. And so throughout August, we're going to hear about different things that the Lord spoke and shared and taught. And it's my privilege to just give an introduction. And the whole point of this sermon, I feel that Jesus uh, gave, it, it addresses so many things. But really, when it, when it comes to the heart of the matter, the real thing, and you'll hear this over and over, I hope, at least in this church, it's about relating to God and relating to people. It's about our relationships. And Jesus shares so many different things in this. But in the course of him sharing, he addresses two kind of things I think we need to bring out, at least here as Wellspring Church. And that's to do with our attitude, our heart, but also the practice to match that attitude. It's one thing to have in our hearts that we want to follow Jesus, but it's another thing to actually follow him. And it's really important that we match, not just what we speak, but match what's in our hearts. And um, I want to get this balance right. And so it may feel like an overcorrective for us, but I just, I sense the Lord leading us to be mirroring what is already in our hearts and being really practical, really getting to the point of, well, if that's what my heart is and that's my relationship to Jesus, this is how I ought to be living. And so I hope in this time this encourages you, but it may be a challenge, but you see it from the Lord and see it that we're in this together. Now, if you've got your Bibles with you, I'd encourage you right now to open it or turn it on to uh, chapter 5 in Matthew 5 to 7. We're actually going to be talking from the very end of Matthew chapter 7, the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. But what I'd really encourage you over the summer, I know we've got our reading plan. Please, please, please read these three chapters, five, six, and seven, and read it repeatedly. Look at it, study at it, enjoy it, and also live it out. But here's some things, before we even get into the sermon, I just wanted to encourage you, keep these things in mind, because these things have blown up in my face as I've spent time in them. The first thing I want you to notice is when Jesus teaches the Sermon on the Mount, look how many references there are to God as a heavenly father. Now, the different versions will probably have different numbers, but there's 14 in the version I counted. And then if you look at the description or the context of what he talks about his father, your eyes will be blown wide of how good God is. He talks about God being a perfect father to each and every one of us, that he be glorified. He talks about God who sees you and rewards you. He says that three times. Talks about the Father as somebody who knows your every need. Says that twice, actually, through this time. Talks about a Father who forgives you. Here's something to pick up. A Father who forgives you, but forgives you with the measure that you use to forgive. Wow. And sometimes we forget that part, right? Oh, a Father forgives, according to mirroring your forgiveness. And a Father who has a perfect will for your life. Some of us may feel from time to time that we're so insignificant or we just, we've got nothing to do or we, we just have no value. But the Lord has a perfect and pleasing and good plan and will for your life. Just from reading chapters 5 to 7, you know, this is what we get from hearing about God the Father. 
Here's something else I just wanted to pick out. There is four mentions of persecution. In following Jesus, there's four mentions of persecution in chapters 5 to 7. Not, not, oh, it's going to be difficult. Not, it's going to be hardship. But because your relationship with Jesus, you will come into tests and trials just because of your relationship with Jesus. Hallelujah. That's really challenging, isn't it? Amen. It's just, just some things to think about, right? Some things to keep in mind. I wish we could preach about every one of these points, but this is actually a really good chance for us to ask the Lord to minister to us when we're reading together. Here's something, a hot topic, if you will, pardon the pun, hell. Hell is mentioned three times. We don't talk about hell that often. And uh, sometimes I think there's a good reason why we don't talk about it. But there's also a bad reason why we don't talk about it. And Jesus even talks about it, and he addresses it three times. Interestingly enough, when he addresses it in the scriptures here, he doesn't just talk about bad people going to hell. He talks about the heart. It's not even talking about behaviours. When you look at the context of this, it's talking about the heart. Something I think we need to grow in as a church family is the fact that the reason Jesus shares about hell is because he cares that people are perishing without knowing the life of him and all that he is and all that he has done to set us free. That's why he mentions it, because there's people missing out on an eternity with the love of God in their lives. And that's why he mentions it. It's worth looking at. It's worth looking at the scriptures when we're talking about that as well. And finally, it's interesting, isn't it? Because Jesus, the Old Testament, and then we get the New Testament. And we think of the Old Testament as all the do nots, do nots, do nots. It's really interesting. When you look at chapters 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says a lot of do nots, by the way, people. Um, One most important do you see in there, actually. I think it's chapter 6. I could be wrong here. Or, but it's 23 or something. He, he does the golden rule, if you've heard of that. Do to others as you'd have done unto yourself. So that is the one do I think you could really look to. But in all the do nots, and again, depending on version, I counted 11, and there's actually probably more because I've coupled them together. Three of the do nots of that 11 says, do not worry. Think about that in your day, in, in our time, in our day and age. Jesus says, do not worry. And you can link that to the Father, for he knows everything you need before you even ask it. He knows you, he cares for you, he loves you. Anyway, that's not the sermon. I just thought I'd help you out because that's where I've been. And God has blown my mind and I just wanted to encourage you. Let the Lord blow your mind. Not just the sermon, let the Lord blow your mind. Let's read scripture together but also in our personal time and ask the Lord to minister to us because guess what the Lord can powerfully minister to you much more than just through me but just in your time together with him and just keep going over it and over it over it it's so so good the word is so good anyway enough said about that let's get into the sermon Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 to 27 I thought I'd begin at the end So the last parable that Jesus mentions in chapter 7 is about the wise and foolish builders. And maybe many of you know it. But what I'm saying about the parable is when we look at parables, we must look at the imagery. And here's the tool that will help you. With everything that is in a parable, all the imagery, all the items, all the things, look, look for a parallel. Look at the parallels that it could represent and it will help you. It will grow your picture of what Jesus is trying to say. Or trying to teach. Therefore, 
Everyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. We're going to unpack this short parable and looking at three of these compartments of imagery. And we're going to start by looking at the wise and foolish builders. Now, many of you hopefully have at some point in life, and maybe continue to do so now, build with Lego. I don't know about you, but um, recently I have got back into Lego. Not that I I left it for any reason, but um, with my daughter. And I really enjoy building things with her. And the first thing we built was a little car pet shop thing. And uh, I realised how sad Sailor got when that car accidentally broke, you know, but we could build it again. And I was just thinking, with us, whenever we build with Lego, there's that sad thing of, well, maybe with you, you pack it away, right? You don't keep it on display forever. And there's that sadness that comes with having to dismantle it unless you're going to show it. But even after a while, you'll probably pack it down. So I just thought, if I was to ask every one of you to build a house, and I know we may not have the skills, but just think about that. We'd be sad if that house didn't stand. Just like, if Lego, we're we're upset about Lego not being together by the end of the day, then how much more if a house you built was to collapse, a house that you were to live in? And this got me thinking about even the motives of the builders. There's a wise and foolish builder. And I've always thought the foolish builder, because he's called the foolish builder, he didn't know what he was doing. He, I, I just thought he was a bit of a silly person because he was going to build a house that was never going to stand. He didn't care. But that's not the context of this parable. It says those people who hear the words of mine. This parable shows that actually even the foolish builder built a house that he wanted to stand built a house that he wanted to keep standing, despite where it was, which eventually we find out was on the sand. But his heart was it would be a house that would stand. So here's here's a question then. They have the same motives. The foolish and the wise builder have the same motives. But why was there a different outcome? Why was there a different outcome? You know, we can be well-meaning. We could want good things together. We could want to build together. But motives enough don't seem to be the answer. Same heart, but one of us could end up being foolish, whereas the other one wise. And so what's the difference? And you'll look in this text from 24 through to 27, and what you'll see is in verse 24, there's a positive, and 26, there's a negative. It says... Those who hear my words and put them into practice. That was the difference. One practiced the words, lived the words out, the other didn't. Yet they have the same motives. They want to build a life, build a house that stands. You see, the word of the Lord here, what Jesus says, he doesn't say, hear my words and pray. He doesn't say, hear my words and go to church. He doesn't say, hear my words and watch church online. (laughs) He doesn't even say, hear my words and prophesy. 
Hear my words and be amazed at the teaching. Hear my words and remember it. Hear my words and study it. No, he doesn't say that. It says, hear my words and practice it. Put it into practice. Hear and do. And the, the context of the setting with the crowd, you know, mainly a Jewish crowd growing up as part of their traditions would have had recited a passage of scripture called the Shema. And the Shema means listen. I've spoken about this before. But listen in their context, listen in their day meant listen and do. And the Shema is actually love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength and with all your soul, all your soul and all your strength. There is... There is a responsibility on us, not just to have the right heart. And even Jesus can question our hearts, but in this time, when our hearts are in the right place, that isn't always enough, people. It's actually to practice the word of God and put it into practice. Jesus wants us to build a life on him. This is the first point today, um, reiterated. He wants us to build a life that stands on him. And the reason he wants us on him is not some ego boost. Jesus doesn't need to feel better about himself so you'll listen to him and do what he says. He's not me as a parent. <laughs> oh, it's good when they listen to you. But um, actually, Jesus, Jesus has gone through something immeasurable on our behalf so that we could build our lives on him. That Jesus came from heaven, left the glorious of eternity of heaven, came down to earth, made himself like us in every single way, you know, tempted but didn't fail, and yet ended up dying a sinner's death on a cross. And yet three days later, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus rose again. And in doing so, he overcame death, he overcame sin, he overcame shame, he overcame all the things that we couldn't by our own performance and by our own strength so that we could have a relationship with him, so that we could have our lives built on him. Jesus wants us to build a life that stands on him. And so it's really important as we look through this series and through our lives, it's not just about heart, it's about practice. And hopefully in some of your conversations, when you talked about practice, practice doesn't just, yeah, I've done it, I know it, I'm good. Practice takes time. And actually, practice takes eternity when we're talking about God, because we get an eternal life with him. So living for Jesus takes heart and practice. And I want to encourage us, we're going to be looking at those kind of practical ways we can follow Jesus through August. But isn't it great that even the person who leads and guides and says to do something helps us and cares so much that he paid for it so that we can. Jesus wants you to succeed. Sometimes we get messed up with what success is, but to build your life on him, that's his desire for you, that your life would stand. So the second point of today, and we're going to be looking at the rock and sand in this picture, is living for Jesus is by his word and by his spirit. And when I say by his word and spirit, it's by his word and spirit alone. Nothing else, just his word and spirit. Now, again, when I'm looking at this, I don't know, maybe because it's just how I've been raised and reading old books or just my imagination. When I think of sand, right, build your house on the sand, I think that's so obvious, right? Like, I picture a beach, I'm sure I've read kids' books, where it's on the beach. 
It's very obvious when you're building on sand. Let's think about the context, though, of where Jesus is saying this. The Middle East, Israel. You see, the thing is about Israel is sand and rock look very alike. Sand and rock feel the same. You see, in the Middle East, it's a lot hotter than here. And uh, in the heat, sand and mud mix together and they bake in the sun. Under these harsh conditions, sand can look and appear like rock. It can look like the same thing. Here's the thing. Even when you try and build foundations, which we'll look at in a moment in the passage, building foundations, cutting into sand that has been baked, is very difficult. It's hard. It's not that easy, actually. So where you think, oh, maybe I'll know from building foundations, that may not even be the case. The only thing that we find from this passage that separates it and helps us understand even from a context of Israel is it takes the rains to loosen that sand to make us know that that isn't solid rock. Verse 25 talks about foundations. Okay? The word originally used in the Greek doesn't actually use foundations but talks about being founded upon. Founded upon, you can't be partly founded on something. Founded means in its entirety. We must build in our entirety on the rock. We must build on our entirety on the word of Jesus and his Holy Spirit. Nothing else. And so this brings that kind of uncomfortable question, which I've been kind of working my way through, especially at this time, is could it be, church, could it just be that We've been building on something other than Jesus. I'm not saying we haven't built on Jesus at all, but could it be in our good motives and good intentions? We thought we've heard from the Lord. We thought it makes sense. This is the best way to do something. But maybe we're not building completely on Jesus. And as I've said, Maybe we've actually noticed this as we've progressed through COVID and lockdown because COVID and lockdown definitely has been the rains and waters that have kind of stirred things up or loosened what may not contain solid ground. It exposes foundations. Living for Jesus is by his word and spirit alone, not good other practices, not other good meaning well things, It's by him and him alone. And Jesus alone makes it possible. It's only Jesus, his word and spirit. Nothing else can be added. It will fall. It will collapse. And this is a time we've journeyed as a church to see how things in this world have been shaken. The winds, the rains, the storm has come. And those what seemingly look like firm foundations. And I'm sure, I hope, I mean, I, don't, I can't tell, but personally for you, have some things been shaking up? Yeah. Your priorities, what you thought was good, or maybe just the things that you valued, maybe you've come to see it in a different light. I just know people have said when all these luxuries in their lives, when it comes to it, they've realised actually what really matters. Yeah. This, is, this is what this story is getting to. What really matters is being on the solid rock. Forgetting all that extra stuff, although it may be good, it will come to nothing. It will fall. As we go into point three, so we've got living for Jesus. Takes heart and practice. 
Living for Jesus, point two, takes his word and spirit. Living for Jesus is point three, endures all circumstances. Endures everything. And we're going to look at the house and the storm. So the house is obviously about our lives. Actually, if you look in the context, which we will do in a moment, it's talking about eternal life actually here. And I'll show you how in a moment. But let's talk about the storm, the winds and the rain, the the streams, the the wind blowing. Water, in this case, symbolises trials, hardship, maybe persecution. It It resembles and shows chaos. And again, think of the audience in mind. Sometimes we think water, we think Holy Spirit. In this case, it means chaos. At the beginning of creation, at the beginning of times, I know the Spirit hovered over the water, so there's that thing. But also water was seen as chaos. How interesting is it? How does the Lord deal with chaos? By his word. He said, let there be light. And there was light. All a creation through the power of his word. And you get this in the New Testament, his word. Through Jesus Christ himself, all a creation came to be. On him, nothing else. So look at this, verse 27. Waters, wind, expose weak foundations. COVID has exposed things. And this is a chance for us not, not to just be like, oh, I've messed up and God pointed in the finger. No, God's heart is so much bigger than that. It's an act of mercy that he would expose weak foundations. And I'm not saying God sends trials in our lives, but he will definitely use them for his glory. And he'll use it for your benefit too, because that's the nature of God. He's so good that he would be willing to expose weak foundations, foundations that will not last, so that you sever it, so that you stop building there. And then you attend to what is really the priority of God's heart for you and for your life. Again, this takes trust and you have to rely on his way. Now, I wanted to come back to teaching a bit more about how to read parables and how Jesus uses illustrations. So I've uh, designed a slide for you to check out on the screen now. And we're just going to overview Matthew chapter 7 here. Now, in Matthew chapter 7, I've gone backwards from the, from the start. So first of all, what, what we're talking about today is the wise and foolish builders, okay? But I'm going to talk going backwards from that in each portion of teaching. Now, here's, here's something that will help you. You may have heard of compare and contrast before. Maybe you've done it in some sort of critical thinking. So when you compare and contrast, here's what's helpful. Look at the contrasts but also look at the similarities, look at the parallels, look at the the running thread of similarity through teaching. So I've laid it out for you in this slide that going across, going horizontally, you'll see a contrast, okay, for each one. So for example, there's wise and then there's foolish. And then what's the outcome? The house stands for the wise person, for the foolish person, it falls. And then there's the teaching point. It's about hearing and practicing. That's the positive teaching point. The negative teaching point is hearing because they heard. Everybody heard, but they didn't do. So now let's look at a thread of teaching going through this. If you go down, you go up um, through the parables. So Jesus talks about the wise and foolish builders. He then talks about the true and false disciples. Well, this is in reverse order. He talks about the true and false prophets. He talks about the narrow and wide gates. Each of these outcomes, they represent something the same. So if you look, the outcome of the wise and foolish builder, the house stands and falls. And I I know we've made it about our lives, but this is how it shows in eternity. 
the false disciple or the true and false disciple, one enters into the presence of God, whereas the other is cast out, sent away. This, this has a sense of finality to it. The true and false prophet, one remains fruitful, keeps bearing good fruit, whereas the one who hasn't bared good fruit, is that even the way? Yeah, that's right. Thank you, Kev. Um, cut down. Oh, and there's, there's layers even to this one, if you think about it. So it's not just about the fruit. It's about the tree. And then when you're thinking about producing good fruit, we've talked about it in the Deep in Prayer series. What is our job purpose? It is to remain connected to the vine. Yes. If you remain connected to the vine, you produce good fruit. Yes. If you don't remain connected to the vine, you're cut off. It's cut off. And, and there's finality even to this uh, scripture here because it talks it cut off and burnt. Okay? Finally, the narrow and wide gate. And this is the one that maybe is the most kind of you need, you need help with uh, seeing it through to expand upon. So the narrow gate leads to life, but the, um, the wide gate leads to death or destruction. Again, it's talking about finality here. It's not just talking about here, this side. It's talking about eternity. And the teaching point, and this is really hard, it's not, it's not just to say, oh, it's hard to follow Jesus, which you see through here. You see through the text, it is actually a challenge. It is actually a battle. And yet Jesus gives us all we need to get through things. But it's about faith in Christ alone. And there you go. Jesus through his teaching, has emphasised many points, but at the same time, this idea, build on me alone. All things shall pass away, but those who build on my word, on my spirit, will live forever. Will enter in to the courts of the king. Will know life in all its fullness and bear fruit. Ephesians 4 verse 14 talks, this is Paul speaking now, Paul speaking to a group of people in Turkey. He's talking about maturity in Christ, okay, maturity and building on Christ. And he says, for those who are mature in Christ, I'm paraphrasing here, for those who have heart in practice, for those who live by his word and spirit alone, for those who endure all circumstances, it says, no longer will be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. We have to wake up and realise there's a lot of teaching going on in this world that is contrary to Jesus. It looks similar. It's good stuff. But at the end of the day, when the waters come and the winds blow, it will be exposed for what it really is. And I'll tell you what it is. It's not Jesus anyway but it's man's version of doing Jesus without him. This is the day and ages we're living in, where everything, we can be blown around, we can wash around, but Jesus is saying none, nothing, nothing will mess you up if you're with me, if you build on me, if you trust in me. here's, Here's the essence of the teaching. If you rely on me and rely on me fully, Jesus holds us through the storm. Not you, not your family, not your finances, not your relationships, not even things you enjoy. Jesus alone holds you through the storm. And I think some of us just need to toughen up or just be encouraged more in the word that his word 
doesn't go out of date. Doesn't become unfashionable. Well, it may become unfashionable, but it's always the thing we need to turn to. It's always the thing. His word is forever valid. How much of human teachings has passed and been flawed and been shown to be untrue or shown proven? Like, we're still, we're still not sure about so many things. Whereas the surety, or the surety we can have in our faith in Jesus Christ, in his word and by his spirit, is true. His word is immovable. His word is unchanging. His word is unshakable. His word is forever valid. And I, I'm loving hearing it, but guys, we can't, we can't just say amen to that. We've got to live this out. We've got to live this out. Because Jesus wants the best life for us. And he's so filled me that I wouldn't want anything else. But it is a challenge. I, I don't want to take that lightly. And we're all on journeys, right? But I promise you, Jesus never fails. His word never fails. His spirit will truly satisfy. I know there's a lot of things out there in the world that may, you know, satisfy us for a while, for a short time, but eventually it will come to nothing. Jesus holds us through the storm. And so for those of you going through rough times and difficult circumstances, can I just encourage you? If you're standing on Jesus, you're doing it right. Yeah. Standing on Jesus doesn't mean you don't go through the tough times. But standing on Jesus through the tough times means your Father in heaven glorif- is glorified. He sees you. Because I feel many of us feel that we're not seen when we're going through the troubling time. But get this. It says three times he will reward you. Yeah. And so much of our time and energy is on this side of eternity. But come on, let's get the reward of heaven yes. of eternity. Amen. Would you like to come up to him? So, we've got summer together in the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be looking at our heart, but also in our practice. Can I encourage you today, hear the word of Lord. And to hear the word of the Lord, please read your Bibles. This is the word of the Lord. Sorry, I've got a mic on. But the spirit as well, and that's an additional thing, because Jesus went on to die on a cross and rose again, and his spirit came down at Pentecost. But the word and spirit together. We must be a balanced diet, church. You know, <laughs> eat, eat the bread of life, but also be filled, be thirsty for the Holy Spirit. Sorry, I'm going into illustrative language. You know, word and spirit. You can talk about water and bread. This is the way. This is the way we live. This is the way we stand, and this is the way we please the Lord our God and Savior by listening and doing. So I'm going to pray. But I really want us to take this opportunity, really consider things in our lives. I think the question today is, where have we built where seemingly it looked like it was Jesus, but maybe it wasn't, or maybe it isn't? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for the great lengths you went through to make that available to us. We were sinners. We turned away from you. But your love overcame And you came chasing after us. You ran after us and you took us back at the cost of your son's life. How dearly and beloved he was to you and how you enjoyed him, yet you gave him up for us. Not for the person on my left or right, not just for the holy person or the well-behaved person. You gave it to everyone. You gave your life for everyone. So, Father, we just want to come before you in humility right now. We're sorry, Lord. 
We're sorry for the times we've missed you. We're sorry, Lord, for the times we've been ignorant or chased after things that are pointless. Lord, right now, I just pray that you would move in us by your spirit. Show us your way. Reveal to us, Lord God. I I even invite you to expose the weak foundation in our lives because I know it's our heart to build upon you. So, Father, if there's anything, any ignorance amongst us, Lord God, where we do not see we are building on something that is sand, that will be loosened, Lord God, would you make that known to us and would you help us make it right? Thank you, Jesus, that you are the certain solid foundation that we live our lives on. And I pray, Lord God, right now that you would help us to continue standing despite the storm, despite the rains, despite our situations and circumstances and all that we're in. Father, we want to declare to you today that we will rely fully on you, that we'll trust in you in the good times and the hard and the ugly. And we'll say, Lord God, have your way today and forever. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.